Hey guys, my name is Samit Hasanzadeh. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Framework Architecture Platform. And this is PSN's podcast where we invite architecture and design pioneers and talk to them about their career, experiences, projects, and visions for future. On this episode, I invited Shajai Bushan to join us from London, United Kingdom. Shajai Bushan is a senior associate at Zahadid Architects where he co-founded and heads the computational and design research group called ZH Code. He is an alumnus and a studio master at the postgraduate course of design research laboratory at the Architectural Association known as AIDRL. There he explores participatory systems of development of built environment as enabled by advanced in digital technologies of design and manufacturing. Shajai pursues his interests in manufacturing and structurally informed design technologies as a PhD candidate at the Block Research Group BRG at the ETH Zurich and previously at Enfield graduate from University of Bath UK. He has published in scientific journals and conferences along with contributions to architectural discourse through architectural design and other magazines. He routinely engages in public speaking and various professional and academic conferences, events and institutions across the world. In this interview, Shajai Bushan will also discuss about designing for robotic fabrication workshop by Academy in collaboration with AIDRL. This workshop will provide a gentle, hands-on introduction to geometry topics of stereotomy, ruled surfaces, and their computational adaptation. It will also incorporate technical topics of robotic fabrication and web services, including remote accessing and instructing an industrial robot setup to cut foam. The designing for robotic fabrication workshop by Academy will take place on 3rd, 4th, 10th, and 11th of October. If you're interested to find out more information about this workshop, please visit our website or click on the link in the description of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview, guys. Hi, Shajai. Hey, can you hear me? I hear you. Hello. Can you hear hello. me? Yes. Yeah, awesome. That's perfect. It's great to see you here. Thanks for joining to this live session and interview. And uh, we're so excited about it. Uh, the mic is yours if you want to say hello to our audience. Yeah, yeah. Firstly, thank you for the invitation. Um, and um, hello to everybody. Um, particularly if you're <clears throat> joining it late, uh, wherever you are. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So first of all, I'm sure the people who know you really well or, or, or they just know your name, they like to, to hear your story. And also for the people who don't know you from our audience, uh, can you introduce yourself and tell us about your story of becoming an architect? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's a relatively straightforward path. Um, my father is an architect and, um, uh, and, uh, like in India and like, that's where I studied. Uh, although like every other Indian, like I probably wanted to, uh, study, um, computer science and, uh, emigrate to, to the U S or study further there. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I studied my bachelor's degree in India and then, um, took a while shot in the dark and like uh, did my master's uh, at the AADRL. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, here, yeah, here I am working for Zadid Architects. <laughs> That's awesome. 
So how did it work for you to start working as Zaha Hadid Architects, well, one of the pioneering architecture firms in the world? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that was, uh, I, I mean, I guess I was in, the, in the, the right place at the right time. Um, like I did my master's degree at the ADRL and uh, a lot of my colleagues uh, and uh, fellow um, students, like they started working at Zadid Architects uh, whilst I went to Populous. And um, as it turns out that like a lot of my friends, in, uh, including, you know, Daniel and Melike, recommended me to, to Patrick and, and Niels, uh, who is now a director at uh, ZHA and then I met Pat Patrick in a um, kind of one of the parties and they were looking to start a research group um, and they took a risk with me and mostly because my friends and colleagues recommended me I guess <laughs> so yeah and, and I, gra okay. I, I grabbed both uh, grabbed the opportunity with both my hands and, and feet <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Patrick so, was on sabbatical then, like from the AA, just that particular year. Yeah. Had yeah. all these happened around 2006 or 2005? Yeah, 2000, uh, end of 2006, early 2007. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, how has your interest emerged for parametric and computational design? Yeah, and I think it's like like many of your audience, uh, my interest is uh, probably driven by like very many factors and because um, I don't have any background in it. Like uh, when I studied in India, it was more modernist architecture and, and, um, and I, there wasn't like much to go by in terms of digital or computational or parametric. Um, but when when I did my master's at AA, like things really opened up, uh, like the, the possibility of a technologically motivated and a technologically informed architecture uh, was exciting. Um, not only because like I had a prior interest in computer science and um, and also interest in mathematics and geometry and so on. Um, but the fact that like you could use this and merge it in a kind of uh, with other concerns of architecture to me was very exciting and uh, that you can use technology in a uh, to augment uh, other other concerns of architecture uh, was yeah. really the exciting part yeah yeah awesome can you talk about the architectural geometry and also the effect of fabrication techniques in defining and redefining these architectural geometries because you've been talked about architectural geometry in AA a lot, and I'd like to have your point on this. Yeah, I mean, firstly, maybe if I can take some time and kind of articulate what we mean, what is the general uh, discussion around architectural geometry. It's mostly geometry that is uh, unlike, you know, math mathematical geometry. It's not abstract and pure. It's something that is related to uh, you know, the flow of forces uh, that is informed by like structural um, uh, qualities or structural properties and, uh, and and at the same time geometry that is informed by like how to make it, uh, how to, how to 
so let's say it's shape that is structurally and constructionally informed. So it's not arbitrary um, um, shapes, but shapes that have, let's say, meaning in that sense. Um, and so it's also not particularly related to computational alone. It has a pre-computer um, mm -hmm. uh, history, like people like all, all historic architecture, uh, like in masonry and, and timber structures and iron bridges and so on, like they exhibit these qualities that um, it's designed that highlights and brings uh, to the foreground, like the structural and constructional aspects. So the aesthetics are coming from the performance of the structure, let's say, or performance of the architecture. Um, so that's, that's what is now like in, in the modern day sense, uh, people like uh, Helmut Potman and, uh, you know, Philip Locke and, um, and ICD and so on, like they, they're contributing a lot of scientific research to, to, make available a lot of tools and thinking geometry based ways to think about shape um, and reason about shape. Um, and so that's, that's what we kind of mean by architectural geometry. And so it's basically John. Uh, so we want to you make use of these uh, both historic and computationally upgraded set of tools and thinking uh in the service of, of uh, new architecture and like how we can provide uh novel user experiences uh and a novel kind of user interface meaning like how people navigate through buildings uh you know how they can easily understand where to find what uh like uh, so these so it's it, it opens up like a a wider uh, repertoire, um, wider set of tools and, and formal possibilities uh, for you to be able to design your spaces, right? And uh, yes, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. Do you think? Do you think uh, new kind of like in our previous century? Uh, by architects like Antonio Gaudi and engineer Frey Otto, uh, are those guys have that just defined new kind of architectural geometry to the architecture world as well? What do you think about them? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that, so that's what's like very interesting about, uh, you know, structural, structurally informed or constructionally informed shapes or so-called architectural geometry is that it is not like something that just popped up. Uh, it has a, you know, historic uh, continuation. It continues not only immediate past like Prayoto, mm -hmm. uh, but also, you know, like people like Mark Berry, like who's kind of investigating what, Gaudi was using and like kind of like kind of computationally re-understanding it and, and, and extending it further. Um, and also even in the 17th, 18th, 19th century, you know, European architecture or even uh, further be before that, like, uh, you know, Arabic architecture or, you know, Indian and Chinese architecture, yes. they're all kind of based on rules and, and uh, and, and evolved in relation to material cultures, like how to build some of these things, um, to be able to build them properly and that they stand up. Like obviously they have to follow a logic and a rationality. 
Um, so yeah, they've definitely contributed to this and now it's an exciting phase that like new technologies, technologies from computer graphics, uh, are able to pick up that thread and like kind of, you know, bring it to the 21st century. Yes. Yes. If they, if, if those guys had these tools, <laughs> I can't imagine what can they create? What could they create? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, most of the ZHA's buildings are consist of like curvatures and curves and mostly ZHA is judged by the statements that uh, because they are creating these curvatures because the software gives the upper up, gives the options gives the uh, uh, lets them to do it can you tell us why curvature is better and what is the attraction about curvature well, I mean, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a very good question in terms of like, you know, why we, we, we've been attracted to the use of uh, curvilinear um, shapes and organizations, uh, fluid organization of space and, and experiences. So it's not like one experience contained in one box and another experience contained in another box. So you don't mm -hmm. go from box to box. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, it ties in well with like the previous talk, topic of architectural shape and architectural geometry in the sense, you know, curvature is known to be beneficial structurally already, right? Like that, you know, people like Philippe and, and, and also historic masonry structures and so on have already shown that appropriate use of curvature, you know, makes makes it possible to use weaker materials, uh, which means like you are able to save on the energy. Uh, so like structurally informed shapes are, are usually or almost always like curved uh, because like then they transmit forces better uh, and therefore you use less material. Like, like the typical example would be the eggshell idea that very less, very little material because of the shape allows you to transmit uh, a lot of, uh, I mean, you yeah. gain strength through shape and less through material properties. And so, so structurally it's beneficial. And, and, and as a designer, obviously you, it is so much more. Right. Chajai, do you hear me? Chajai, do you hear me? A kind of experience and a kind of lighting and a kind of acoustics and slightly further away, you have another kind of lighting and another kind of acoustics. And, and so, you know, you're able to play with more. So the so-called degrees of freedom is better uh, with curvature. Yeah. Um, and, and so you can also then blend between one experience and another, one space and another. So, you know, spatially it is better. and. And obviously, constructionally, it is like, you know, like there is historic continuity, like there's, uh, you know, whether it's the domes of, uh, uh, almost every culture knows how to make a dome. Uh, and, and so, you know, there, there is that. Um, so, and there is a lot of historic built wisdom around uh, environmentally, it's, uh, you know, in terms of acoustics or in terms of cooling and heating loads, like it's probably curved things are uh, most likely always better. And so, you know, there are all of these aspects to why curved 
shapes are better uh, and and like only and also it costs more right like building well yeah so that wall is only <laughs> cost without yeah yeah that's a great one, one of the comments as well to build exactly. curvatures if Uh, only in the yeah. modernist sense only in the modernist sense uh because like the modernist production system is uh, catered to like these kind of boxy things but uh but not really if you think about like you know the other day was i saw somebody post on uh, twitter or linkedin like these famous walls in in uh, in the uk they're called crinkle crinkle walls you know because just because of those curved shapes like you can save uh, they can be very one brick thick if you had to make the same wall like uh, with a straight line like you would have straight to make it up yeah. you would have to make it with two layers of bricks and so you're automatically saving uh, uh resources bricks. materials right exactly and so um and but your point is valid and is important that like in like, in the modernist sense it is difficult to to make curved shapes but like that's exactly where digital fabrication and robotic manufacturing and all of these come to play like you know places like yeah. ICD or ETH you know they're like you know bringing 3D printing and bringing like uh, fabric formed or textile yeah. uh, art, uh fabrication methods where like it's harder to make a straight thing than like curvature is naturally part of this world like and 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 so um yes in the modernist sense it is difficult to make um uh, or more not difficult it's more expensive to make uh, curved shapes but like that is rapidly changing that's yeah um, true yeah. yeah definitely we 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 have the technology today and we can easily build whatever we desire so if it's efficient to build a curved wall why not to do it uh, let's just do it and it's it's great we 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 have the technology So which one of the projects that you have worked at ZHA till now required the most advanced computation like parametric tools to design and also to build Yeah no, I mean it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah it's, it's a good question in the sense that I mean I would probably say break it into uh I would reframe the question slightly to say like which project now uh pushes the technology to the background so that we can focus on uh, other aspects of architecture like yeah. so which means you know early on like we, you know when when we started the group uh because we had like no prior uh, background in any of this so you know when uh, when we did um let's say the Arum Pavilion for Venice Biennale in 2012 like yes you know we had to focus heavily on like you know folding of the metal using a robot like understanding the geomet- structurally how it behaves and all of these things so uh, we couldn't actually focus any much el- on much else like other than like getting it made and on m- getting it made well uh, and so on uh through those kind of pavilions like which we have done very many of like at least 20 uh, plus like and the latest one being nitkandela like you know like already we see in a matter of 6 8 uh years like we are able to collaborate with across continents like you know in two and a half months 
things yeah. were conceived, designed, and, uh, and you engineered. And inside a plane, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And and across, uh, you know, between Architecture Exopolated in, in Mexico City, Block Research Group in Zurich, and Zahadi Architects in London, um, you know, like so much is possible now because, like, technologically, each of the contributors, each of the stakeholders are like getting so much more sophisticated, more more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and 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 that can be seen now also in like many of the projects that like uh, the architects themselves are doing. Like four years uh, for a air, the world's largest airport is is an incredible feat. Um, I mean, even though I wasn't particularly directly involved in it, but like my colleagues, my peers, you know, like we see this day in and day out. It's very inspirational yeah. to, to say that like, you know, all of these technologies are maturing so rapidly uh, that it's exciting. Like a few years ago, like that airport was a sketch in somebody's computer. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that airport... The Axing Airport is really uh, one of the projects, a masterpiece by VHA, which pushes the boundaries of architecture and technology as well. So uh, you also run a studio at uh, Architectural Association Desi Design Research Lab. Can you talk a little bit about the studio and what are you doing and what are you teaching to the students at this studio? Because this question is also, this topic is is also related to our upcoming workshops as well. So what are you teaching to students at AIDRL in your studio? Yeah, and uh, you know, like, like with, I mean, AIDRL has a 20 year, uh, 20 plus years of existence and history. So, and so the, the, the studio like kind of joins that um, uh, movement like like and I started teaching in the studio maybe around 2012 2013 now um, and you know Patrick co-founded the group and Theo has been running this uh, as a director for at least 12 years now um, so the studio joins this general spirit of inquiry uh, a collaborative multidisciplinary uh, exploratory experimental kind of uh, design research and so and design research is the the for, forefront like it is different from scientific research in materials or uh, mm -hmm. structure yeah. and so on um, but design research which means design is foregrounded that uh, it's that that we then genuinely believe that answer answer to many questions can be answered found by in a design research methodology uh yes things learning by doing and 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 also uh by doing several design research uh, uh studies and experiments and so on so our studio particularly like that i've been now running with my partner for the last five years um it focuses on uh, initially started with digital fabrication and robotic fabrication and exploring like how we can develop an aesthetic around that, right? Like how you can uh, create shapes uh, and, and, and geometries uh, and so-called tectonic, you know, yes, like tectonic. How, you, how you can generate a new tectonic uh, out of these concerns, structural concerns, out of fabrication concerns. Uh, and so on. So, but like as these technologies are maturing, not only um, in the industry, but uh, not only in uh, research, 
in places like uh, you know ETH and MICD and so on, but also like the ability of designers to handle these technologies. Like in that's what we focus on in, in the DRL. Like um, while these are maturing, how do you make architectural context for it? How do you apply it um, in a design sense? So that's what we are focusing on as a studio for the last uh, five years. Yeah. Uh, one topic is. Uh, how you apply this to the uh, imminent need uh, of housing, uh, but also specifically, how do you bring on um, participation from the end users? You know, can we use uh, digital fabrication in conjunction with gaming technologies or in conjunction with like Facebook and community building technologies? Uh, that's so, so so-called participatory housing for the last, and now this year uh, we are now extending that. Um, because we uh, to participatory cities, uh, small townships, and the reason we feel confident of doing that is uh, because, like the last five years of work, is now manifested in a kind of commercial realization. Uh, exciting, actually, in in, in Honduras, um, uh, where where we are, a, you know, being able to bring these participatory housing ideas to 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 an island where there is no, so we have to use local materials, but import machines and so on. Um, yeah, so now we feel confident enough that like, you know, we can expand on the scale from housing to generally a small, small scale cities. Yeah, you know, awesome. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. So talking about our upcoming workshop, Designing for Robotic Fabrication by Academy in collaboration with AIDRL, can you tell us, or tell our audience and to the people who are interested to join to this workshop, uh, what are the features of this workshop and what are they gonna learn and what are the essentials of this learning about robotic fabrication? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, this, this is um, as a workshop, like uh, it's mostly, I mean, all the tutors, uh, including myself, are like ex-DRL um, graduates, um, and both recent and like a bit more uh, four years ago, kind of. Uh, so Federico and Cesar and Leo. Uh, so the idea is to give a, a, a kind of little window into the world that we find super, super exciting. Uh, like it's like amazingly motivating for us, like not only, you know, uh, you know, the rapid maturation of like robotic fabrication and, and the kind of not only tectonic possibilities, but also entrepreneurial possibilities that these technologies give to, to uh, young people, uh, particularly young companies, right? Like, and so, in, um, and so that's, it's a, it's a window into that world of robotic fabrication and how that can be captured geometrically, you know, so like, because, to be able to work with these technologies, you have to convert it into visual information, into geometric information. Exactly. So that's, that's, that's our expertise, right? Like one of the core expertise of architects and designers is to manipulate shape. Uh, so we want to convert all information into visual geometric information. Otherwise, uh, you know, so we are not trained in mathematics or, you know, manipulation of abstract symbols. What we are trained in is, is, uh, working with shapes and, and, and spatial organizations and um, these kind of things. So so that's one of the things that uh, the workshop will give a window into is how do you capture 
manufacturing or how do you call it, capture robotic processes uh, geometrically and 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 also how do you design shapes specifically that can be manufactured given a manufacturing method so in this case we are just choosing hot wire cutting because it's easy to uh, easy to get into because all you need is a hot wire in some form uh, and a robot uh, so it's a kind of very gentle introduction but at this uh, to this entire world that is super exciting as i said um, and 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 also like several years ago, I mean, maybe less than four or five years ago, like this would have been like a full, full year's worth of work <laughs> to, to be yes. able to design and then inform a robot and like get it to cut and so on. Like, so it's also a window into how rapidly things are maturing. Um, and, and, and so now you're be able to control like a robot, like from, you know, thousands of miles away. Yeah, uh, and and so that's that's also just a little window again to to this idea that uh, to to dismiss the myth that architecture is not um, yeah, technologically engaged. I mean, it, in fact, it like last decade or so is 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 excitingly accelerated. Uh, I mean, there's so many startups now in the AEC world. Um, several uh, new, young, exciting architectural companies, uh, including established companies like like the Audit Architects. So, you know, yeah. so yeah, it's a window into that entire world. Plus, also scientific research, potential scientific um, extensions, and uh, uh, you know, people like Odico uh, who have built like an entire business around this. Uh, hot wire cutting uh, now they're selling robots uh, that do this uh, and other things um, so yeah it's a it's a window into entrepreneurial opportunities it's a window into historic stone cutting methods you know which was previously mm -hmm. similar techniques uh, were used to cut stone and and also make uh, geometries made of stone uh, using straight line cutting, like people like Gaudi used a lot of these yes. techniques. And, and um, so it's a window into history. It's a window into entrepreneurship. It's a window into new, uh, new ways of uh, creating shape. And, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So there will be also lectures and uh, tutorials of like using these kind of tools and what are the methodologies and the ideologies of using these tools. So it's a brilliant workshop. I think yeah. anyone who is interested to join to this workshop, just go to our profile and the link is in our profile. You can participate in. We just a few seats left to, to fill up the class. So if you're interested, don't, don't uh, just uh, waste your time and just go into the profile and click on the link in our bill and you can see every detail about the designing for robotic fabrication workshop by Pacademy in collaboration with AADRL. So going forward uh, and asking a couple of questions from our participants and our audience, they were asking like, do the participants need to have any knowledge or pre-knowledge about Rhino or Grasshopper softwares to completely absorb the workshop or it will be there any like, inter uh, like, like introduction about how to use these software? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it will be beneficial to have some uh, general awareness and like 
somehow you I mean so you can navigate through Rhino. I mean I mean I guess everybody knows how to use Rhino. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, general awareness is is useful. Like and I mean more even if it is not Rhino, like generally navigating in a three D environment is yeah. very useful. So I mean it doesn't need to be Rhino, but like it can be Maya, Blender, whatever. But like the idea that or that you you're natively comfortable in in a 3D environment is useful, um, uh, but not necessarily a, a prerequisite, let's say. Um, but I mean, as I said, it's a window into a world. Like it's not like a it's 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 not it's not like a tutorial where you will learn how to you know make a specific shape and like uh, go and apply it tomorrow. To, to, but it is a window into the world, uh, and it's also trying to situate and give contextual awareness as to it's not something that was born yesterday, and it, it's, like the history goes like several hundred years ago, and and, and so it's to just uh, have a broad idea, understanding contextually uh, that it is truly multidisciplinary, and it is also historically continuous. Um, yes. And of course, you will learn like some specific skills, like particularly how robots work, uh, you know, that there is nothing to be, it is basically like any other 3D printer, <laughs> or, uh, that there is no like magic to it. Um, and, yeah. And, and, uh, and yeah, and then also like things like ruled surfaces and like, you know, how can you design with uh, that constraint that everything has to be ruled uh, or straight line based, but how can you get curvature out of straight lines? That itself is like a, uh, quite a fascinating topic, <laughs> yeah. uh, which, which yeah. is again uh, occupied like very many people like for hundreds of years. And, and so, um, yeah, so it's, it's more exploratory. It's more uh, broad scope and, and, and less about like, you know, uh, how to render something in Keyshot, and that's uh, for that. Like there's, you know, many, very many tutorials. Like, um, uh, and you wouldn't need somebody uh, like to teach you that. Like, you can just go to. Uh, so it basically will unpack and like situate like you know maybe 10, 15 years worth of progress in the discipline. Uh, in 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 a short amount of time. No. Yes, exactly. Yeah, a lot of as you said, a lot of students or a lot of architects are just afraid of the uh, when they see a robot, how they're gonna work with a robot or how they're gonna program it. Yeah, it's it's hard to learn, but it is learnable if anybody on the Earth planet Earth is doing it. So it's really worth learning and doing it and it's just doable and it's learnable so this workshop will give the opportunity how to work with robotic fabrications and how to design constraints according to robotic fabrication awesome yeah so we have another question from one of our participants and one of our audience who would like to ask uh, does the workshop content focus on producing pre-designed models or will the participants experiment uh, on their own versions of the design? Um, no, they, yeah, definitely not pre-designed. Uh, there will be some examples that we can show, uh, but like, yeah, the, 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 the main intention is to explore. 
yeah so it's a it's an open-ended thing um you know <clears throat> so there's some reconfigured let's say exercises but like there's nothing to say that you cannot i mean it's actively encouraged even like you know that that this is not like something that like you know it's not a one trick pony but it's it's uh, <laughs> uh it's 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 more again opening in yeah like just to to improve awareness um because it's a technique a geometry a rule surface which is affiliated with uh hot wire cutting but you could extend this principle to anything else like if you have 3d printing you would think of similar things like if you were laying bricks you would think of think of it similarly what kinds of geometries are possible by laying bricks as, as opposed to uh, cutting of uh, foam like you know so there is a there is a specificity of the 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 range of geometries possible uh, the so called design space associated with the fabrication technique uh, and so so and that's what yeah. we want to to highlight like you know with this um and so yeah it's definitely not going to be predefined like you know how to model a duck uh, type of thing it's 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 more um, exploring all right yeah exactly um and of course like along the way you will be exposed to a range of concepts and both historic and you know, the history of certain things and, and and how to navigate or how to even think about how to manipulate shape um and, and yes yeah awesome so uh, just going around the topic of robotic fabrication how what kind of future because these technologies are quite brand new topics in architecture what kind of future do you see for the future of architecture uh, in the with the combination of computational design tools and robotic fabrication techniques like hot wire cutting like cnc milling 3d printing and etc yeah well i mean it is new i mean in the in the history of architecture sense yeah it is new but like i mean in 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 a person's lifetime sense it's not that new uh like you know 3d printing concrete 3d printing large scale 3d printing started already in 1995 or something and desktop printing even in 1980 and and metal printing you know i don't know 1978 or something like this um and what's exciting now is that a lot of these ideas are you know rapidly maturing um a because technology is becoming available and widely available and and also a large number of intelligent clever people are coming into the discipline yes. right like uh, it, it's not on it is truly multidisciplinary right you know in in um sigraph for example which is one of the best uh, or flagship graphics conferences um they have now a track called digital fabrication right like and so so there is that overlap <clears throat> uh, lots of people clever people are coming into this uh in in touch with uh, architectural problems and opportunities um and so yeah so it is new uh, but not that new and it's also um, exciting because lots of things are democratically available like you know one of the people that like always amazed me and and, and like I have a high respect for in Philippines like uh, in China like in you know maybe 10 years or so like is 
built up not only a design practice, but also an entire fabrication company. So they're designing and building their buildings, like, uh, which is quite an amazing thing to imagine. And, um, and so it's not restricted to like only Europe or only the US. Like, I mean, there are places in Latin America, um, you know, Kinetica was like a company that is based in Mexico, but they did uh, projects for us in New York. And, um, so it's like widely available, like uh, whether you're in, in Asia or, you know, like I, I recently was in Thailand, for example, and like there are people interested. We have robots, like what can we do with this? Um, and also in India and, uh, you know, some of our students uh, are trying exactly. to do this stuff. Um, yeah, so the future is very bright, like entrepreneurially and across cultures, uh, across building economies. Uh, and so in that sense, I think it is like uh, ready to uh, topple modernism, you know. <laughs> it, it is following in the same footsteps, like, uh, yeah. you know, modern, modernist buildings were buildable across the world. But it took some, took some time, like from, you know, from 1930s to like by the time the 1970s came around, Maybe every country from Brazil to India knew how to make a concrete, you know, modernist yeah. villa. Uh, but that is happening now in, in, in with these new uh, technologies, technologies yeah. being available. So like, you know, places like uh, in India and China and Latin America are producing people and architectural examples, which is quite exi- exciting because it's it's kind of following in the in the modernist footsteps, but um, finally we are be- beginning to see some uh, real progress. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Once again, I'm just uh, telling our audience that if you're interested to join or read more about designing for robotic fabrication workshop, just go to our profile. The link is in our profile. Click on the link in our bio, and you have the full description and you have the full information about the robotic fabrication workshop so uh, going pushing this uh, uh, going further and asking my question about uh, generally in architecture who were your biggest influences in architecture (laughs) other than Zaha definitely Yeah, it's 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 strange with um, yeah. I mean, as you know, as they say, uh, every person is probably a kind of average of the the five most uh, closest people that they hang out with, and and so that's perhaps most true for me, and definitely um, throughout, like when I was studying in India, or uh, you know, my my peers were like my greatest influences. Uh, you know, some of my closest friends, they, they, they came with, I mean, despite being at that time, it was a closed economy. And so there wasn't much, uh, external influence that was coming in. Yeah. Uh, like, but like at the same time, like, you know, these friends were, uh, you, you know, they used to either be playing uh, music or like be into, um, uh, making comics and so on, like at, at like to be the world's best in a way, like you know that was that was aspirational, that uh, in, influential, um, and it's the same like in terms of architectural mentors. I would say, I mean, I would have to say like and also with gratitude, 
uh, acknowledge um, people like Patrick and Theo and um, and Philippe because these are not only my employers, uh, but also I know them intellectually and personally. And, and so that's definitely a great influence. Um, I mean, Theo being like the director of the DRL, as I said, for many years now, and Patrick, you know, yes. being uh, principal now at Zaham since her passing and, and also shaping Zahabi the architects for the last 30 years. Um, and and Philippe, like obviously, like he started as an assistant professor, but now you know he has a remit and, and influence like far greater. Um, and, and so, uh, and, and both I feel fortunate and also uh, gratitude to to know all of these people personally. Um, and of That's course, it. like you know, like in terms of you know, my own partner who is now like not only entrepreneurial, like, you know, she's you know, assistant professor at Calgary, uh, but uh, has been running the studio with us, uh, with me for the many years. And like, you know, uh, we do uh, many of our adventures together, including building Nitkandela in Mexico or shells in Mexico or uh, draining half our uh, half our savings in buying a robot, uh, <laughs> uh, in all of these things. Um, and also my own peers in code, like, you know, people like David Reeves, who's now uh, working for a computer graphics industry. Um, and, and my brother Vishu and, and Henry. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like, so it's, it's, it's a bunch of influence. Like I feel gratitude in, in that sense as well, that like people like Melike or Daniel and, uh, Chikara who's now doing, made a bunch of glass prints for Neri Oxman and so on. Like, um, I, I just feel that like, you know, I, I was in, in the midst of like this entire community of people that, um, that therefore I, I genuinely feel that the influences uh, from my peers and colleagues are far greater than um, exactly. more historic figures. But in terms of historic figures, I would definitely say the Eames uh, couple <laughs> because that's, uh, that's what like Alicia and myself aspire to like yeah. to have a career spanning, I don't know, 70, 80 years. Um, and like even just by purchase, being entrepreneurial and purchasing patents from the U.S. Army and building a, a um, brand and, and, and a career spanning design and architecture and education and, you know, uh, and having an impact like in places as far reaching as in India, like the National Institute of Design in India still follows a large part of the curriculum set by the Eames and, and, you know, so that's, that's, uh, uh, inspiring. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, just 10 minutes to go to finish the interview. Uh, what do you think about our platform PA? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I've, I've known you for, uh, I think at least four years now. And, yeah. Uh, from and, 2016. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel, uh, I mean, I, I, I think like, yeah, you you have definitely and slowly built up. Uh, what I like about it is that like, uh, that you do take, uh, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's an endeavor of passion. And then like you, you take care and like you invite the people like, and you try to uh, look 
look into their histories or what their interests are and, and um you know like and these these interviews things are like i think like a new addition which is great like you know the first i came to know about it is when you interviewed patrick uh i don't know if he was your first or but uh, yeah since it was then, his first uh, his first <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah uh and um yeah no i, I think like it, i mean it's it's a great platform like that um, and it's also the fact that it's it's providing access um across the world like i, th- I think that that is a great um contribution and it's uh, it's and you know opening up the conversation just be i mean oftentimes on the internet it's difficult to know like you know what is beyond behind the image you know it's it's yeah. um, and like to bring out those stories and bring out those interests i think is a um is a good thing that you're doing and like i mean we would actively support all such a- efforts to to you know to have the uh, you know bring back the long form like you know the long form conversation i mean i would also encourage for you to combine this into publications you know because publications live longer and that, that those are cultural outputs uh, that yes. like live through history uh, yes. as opposed to living because one thing great about the internet is that like it pr- brings a large number of people across the world together something that's not so great is that it shortens the memories to to a few days <laughs> exactly <laughs> So like, uh, so yeah, so how to bring the long form back in, like, and because it's also equally important cultural artifact. Uh, yeah, good advice. Publication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll so take it's, care it's of a that. Great, it's a great platform and I, I, um, I, I, I hope to see like other diversification <laughs> or yeah. consolidation, let's say, in, in this trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. All, all, all uh, we are trying to do is just provide information and show the back side of every project that is being published, interviewing with architects, designers, computational designers like yourself. So yeah. uh, we're just pushing it forward. <laughs> thank you. That's good, yeah. Just uh, seven minutes to go. As closer, what kind of advice would you like to share with young professionals and students? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as they say, architects have like a very long career. Like at least, <laughs> I'm I'm only 15 years in, and like I hope to be around for another 25. So I guess like I'm a young professional. Yeah, um, <laughs> you so are. My my my. <laughs> My my advice, or let's say at least sharing of my experience, would be not to make any great plans or try to plan your career, but always be around. Uh, try to be around people who are in it for the long, long game. You know, the long duration. Like you know, people who see that uh, they want to build a career around a passion, uh, around a topic of interest, and, and then explore various aspects of it. Right, like and. Um, and and uh so not just not just internet famous i mean which is useful like i mean definitely like but uh to build capitalize on that new mediums and new audiences and and kind of build a career uh have something to say um about everything and um and to say it with conviction you obviously have to learn 
uh, and put in effort, like learn things by doing. And, and, and so like not to be anxious, I guess, like in the short short run, like I mean, it doesn't matter if you're not famous in the, in the first year or even in the first decade. And, and, um, yeah. But like, you know, early on, like build the hang around with the right people, whether it's uh, uh, people who, who have a longevity in the profession, people like Patrick or like, or also your own peers, right? Like, you know, try yeah. to get identify and hang out with people like who are entrepreneurial, who are innovative, um, and, exactly. and no matter no matter where you are. And, and I mean, yeah. uh, in this sense, like I, you know, like I was fortunate to meet people like uh, Asbjorn and Yele and. Uh, and people like Mustafa and Suryans who were from DRL, like who went on to do, uh, start their own company, very successful robot, robot making startup and, and Yele and Asbjorn made like a, another robot making startup, which is also successful. And, you know, so entrepreneurialness comes from being, building your social capital, uh, mm-hmm. across very many kinds of people, not only startup sense, but also phil- philosophers or people interested in technology or mathematics or art, you know, to have a wide, um, build your creative capital in your early days, because um, you, you need that broad base to sustain a career for for 40 years. I, that's At least that's that's what I'm trying to follow. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's gonna work out, but I genuinely am convinced that 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 is uh, that you should start slow and build a broad base uh, before um, yeah. accelerating. Yeah, awesome. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining me to this live session. Once again, if anybody is interested to join our workshop, designing for robotic fabrication a workshop by Pacademy in collaboration with AADRL. The link is in our bio. Just go there and click on the link. The information is over there. If you're interested, you can join. Just a couple of seats left for the workshop. It's on 3rd and 4th of October. Uh, We will start uh, soon. So uh, thanks, Shajai, for joining. And uh, appreciate for your time. And we will see you during the workshop. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks a lot for the um, invitation and um, yeah, I look forward to more conversations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. The Designing for Robotic Fabrication Workshop by Pacademy will take place on 3rd, 4th, 10th, and 11th of October. If you're interested to find out more information about this workshop, please visit our website or click on the link in the description of this podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to PSN's podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts in order not to miss a single episode. Also, you can find out more by going to parametric-architecture.com slash podcasts. Please share this podcast with a URL to inspire a friend. Also, you can use hashtag PSNs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to give us a feedback or a review about our podcast. Thank you so much.